A big thank you to today's sponsor, NordVPN. Nord lets you find the best prices for Netflix, Amazon Prime, and other streaming services. With Nord, you can change your location to a different country, so you'll be able to get Amazon Prime for just £10 a year instead of 80 just by changing your settings to India. So you'll be able to get a bunch of streaming services for just the price of one. And just recently, I was trying to watch the England vs Italy finals in the European Cup, and because I was in Australia at the time, it made it tricky, but thanks to Nord, I was able to watch England lose in the penalty shootout and be sad, just by changing my location to the UK. And of course, using a VPN will help you secure your data online. Your private information is always at risk, and Nord will help keep it more secure. If you watch my live streams, you'll know I'm not too tech-savvy, so thankfully, Nord is very easy to use and it's very fast and you can use up to 6 devices. So if you hate saving money and protecting your data online, then don't click the link. But if you do, click the link in the description and you'll get the Cyber Month deal to get a 2 year plan plus 1 month additional free with a huge discount. So go ahead and click that link. Between January 1971 and April 1979, the rule of Idi Amin was one of paranoia, political oppression and ethnic violence. It is estimated that 300,000 people died as a result of his reign, with some estimates putting the figure as high as half a million people. Many of the victims were mutilated and tortured before death, with Amin keeping a personal collection of photographs of his victims, as well as their heads, of some of his enemies in his freezer. Amin's rule was characterised by the levels of paranoia and extreme violence, all the while a larger-than-life character towered over his people. In today's video, we will cover the rise of Idi Amin and the events that cemented him as one of history's most brutal dictators. Idi Amin was born in 1928 in what was at the time the British Protectorate of Uganda. The exact date of his birth is unknown. Amin was born to the Kakwa ethnic group and raised as a Muslim, able to recite the Quran to a high standard at an early age. Adi Amin would grow up to be a huge teenager, well over 6 foot and 4 inches tall. In 1946, his stature was noticed by a British army officer, who was able to arrange Amin's recruitment into the 21st King's African Rifle Corps. By all accounts, Amin was a great soldier for the British army, starting in the kitchens and working his way up to be a rifleman. He was part of the Scottish military band, an avid rugby player and the Ugandan light heavyweight boxing champion from 1951 to 1960. Whilst deemed physically capable, some of his officers noted that Amin was not particularly bright, often requiring matters to be explained to him in the most basic of terms. In 1952, the 21st King's Rifles were dispatched to Kenya to deal with the Mau Mau Uprising. We do have a video on this subject if you would like to learn more about this conflict. The link will be in the description below. During this conflict, Amin performed well under fire and was valued for his ruthlessness in combat. Eager for progression and proving more than capable, Amin was promoted to sergeant in 1953. Despite being part of an attempt by the African soldiers to obtain better pay in 1957, Amin reached the rank of Afende, which at the time was the highest rank available for black African soldiers in the British Army. By 1962, Uganda was poised to obtain independence from the British Empire 
and by this time, Amin had cemented his position as a formidable officer, reaching the rank of lieutenant. During a routine deployment to deal with cattle theft, Amin's methods in dealing with the Turkanar nomads almost found him court-martialed. There were threats of castration for anyone caught stealing cattle, and these were often followed through. As mounting complaints reached the British authorities, bodies were exhumed. From this evidence, it became clear that the Turkana men had been tortured, beaten to death, and in some cases, buried alive. Amin was fortunate and avoided reprimand. The British were focused on Uganda's impending independence, and it was decided it was not particularly viable to court-martial one of the country's only two black commissioned officers. This was but a telling start to the methods that Amin would employ as a leader and the lengths he was willing to go to to achieve his aims. The need for army officers in the newly independent Uganda would present Idi Amin with the opportunity for a meteoric rise. Uganda was initially ruled by Milton Obote as the Prime Minister and Kabaka Freddy as the President. Both Obote and Amin would be investigated for corruption in 1966 in a scheme that involved smuggling gold and ivory from the Congo. Their response was to stage a coup with Amin leading the attack on the Kabaka's palace. When the president of Uganda escaped into exile, Obote was able to declare himself as executive president and Amin as the commander of the Ugandan army. With his highest standing in the Ugandan army, Amin began to embezzle millions of shillings and was able to focus on recruitment of the members of the Kakwa tribe, forming a faction that was loyal to him and not Obote. Brigadier Pierre Eno Okoye, who was the commander of the 2nd Infantry Brigade, was perhaps one of the most vocal critics of Amin during this time. In particular, for Amin's lack of response to an assassination attempt made against Obote in December of 1969, Okoye accused Amin of being involved in the attempt on Obote's life and called for disciplinary action. It was not long after that that Okoye and his wife were found murdered, many believing that Amin ordered the killing. Upon hearing that President Abote was planning to remove him for embezzlement, Amin launched his military coup on the 25th of January 1971. This was done whilst Abote was out of the country at a Commonwealth meeting in Singapore. The loyalist troops that were installed by Amin set about seizing the airport and captured the capital city. Amin's coup was initially greeted with cheers, both from Ugandans in general and from the likes of the United Kingdom, who were glad to see the back of Abote. Amin stated that his intentions were to deal with Abote's corruption, free all political prisoners, and act as a caretaker ruler until new elections could take place. Obote and some 200,000 Ugandan refugees fled and found refuge in Tanzania. In August of 1972, Amin started the process of exporting the entirety of Uganda's 80,000 Asian population. Originally, many from the Indian subcontinent were brought to Uganda by the British to build the railways. Many who settled became the middle class in Ugandan society owning many businesses and becoming lawyers, bankers, and notably, working in the garment industries. Initially, it was those who held British passports that were to be deported, some 30,000 people. Before long, it was expanded to all Asians in Uganda. This group of people were scapegoated as the cause for all of the problems of Uganda's ills, and were portrayed as devious. 
A deadline was set that by the start of November the Asian population should have left Uganda. Restrictions were set on the sale of Asian-owned businesses, meaning those who were deported left with only what they could carry. Many fled to the United Kingdom or other Commonwealth countries. An estimated 5,500 businesses, along with property and cars, were stolen by Amin's allies. Very often the businesses were claimed by people who managed to get to the properties first, with no clue as to even how to run the business correctly. This resulted in major issues with the economy, with shortages of butter, sugar and salt, with many industries failing due to mismanagement and supply chains collapsing. Amin is often characterized as an unpredictable dictator, and for good reason. He would grant himself medals and accolades to increase his standing. One such title he awarded himself was <clears throat> Lord of all beasts of the earth and fishes of the sea and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. He offered to personally negotiate both a peace in Ireland and independence for Scotland from the United Kingdom. But perhaps the most strangest event he orchestrated took place in June of 1976. Members of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine hijacked an airplane flying from Israel to France. Amin had early on received financial and military support from Israel, notably in setting up his own loyalist faction within the Ugandan army. However, relations broke down when Amin bought fighter planes from Libya after being refused by Israel. So instead, Amin sided with Palestinian extremists, and following the Munich massacre of Israeli Olympians, he sent an anti-Semitic tirade. When Amin learned about the hijacking, he offered to allow the plane to land at Entebbe airport. Amin then took center stage of an international crisis basking in the limelight. While some passengers were released, those who held Israeli passports and those who refused to abandon them were kept hostage to demand the release of other members of the group from prison. One elderly hostage named Dora Balsh, aged 75, was taken to the hospital for treatment. The Israelis eventually launched a raid to rescue the passengers, resulting in the deaths of seven hijackers, 45 Ugandan soldiers and three of the hostages. Furious, Amin ordered that Dora Balsh be murdered in reprisal. She was dragged from her hospital bed and shot. Her body was found near a sugar plantation outside of the capital city, badly burned and unrecognizable. Corruption was a major issue under Amin's rule. One notable example can be seen in the coffee trade. Originally, this cash crop was a major industry in Uganda, but under Amin, coffee was seized by the state in exchange for promissory notes. These notes were very rarely paid in full and often just ignored. The sale from the coffee was instead funneled into the pockets of Amin's cronies, or paid for the Ugandan army. As a result, many coffee growers sought to smuggle their produce across Lake Victoria and into Kenya. In Kenya, they would be able to sell their crop for three or even four times as much as the Ugandan government was offering, and often not even paying in full. In response to a lucrative income, Amin dispatched the full power of the Ugandan army. Helicopters would hover above and sink the smugglers' boats, whilst tanks and armoured personnel carriers would crush smugglers as they fled. Whilst Amin suppressed the smuggling of coffee, he himself was engaged in his own form of smuggling, in what was known as the Whiskey Run. 
multiple times a week, a Ugandan Airlines plane was dispatched to Stansted Airport. It would return packed full of alcohol, duty-free perfumes and other luxury goods. These were to act as gifts and bribes to keep favour with his officers, or to fuel the parties that would be held at Amin's palace. It was during these parties that Amin would show off the victims of his secret police force, the heads of his enemies that he kept in the freezer. At the outset of Amin's rule, he quickly set out removing the vestiges of Abote's rule, installing military rule as the highest law in the land. Soldiers belonging to certain ethnic groups of tribes were murdered, notably men from the Acholi and Lango groups. The bodies of these soldiers were dumped into the rivers. These murders were often carried out by the State Research Bureau, Amin's secret police. At its height, around 3,000 men and women were employed by the Bureau. Whilst their job was to obtain information, very often the agents were given free reign to extort, force themselves upon, and kill whomever they wished. It was not uncommon for members to demand that a person hand over their cash or business, sometimes with them being killed regardless. At McKinley Prison, dissidents and enemies would be brought, often bundled in the trunk of unmarked police cars. Groups of as many as 30 or 40 people would be locked into a room, having to take turns to stand and sleep due to the overcrowding. If a prisoner was to die in the cell, it could be as long as a week for the corpse to be removed, all the while decomposing in the heat. The most common form of execution would be with a large hammer, in what was euphemistically known as tapping. Accounts from British journalists who spent four nights at the prison also tell of one brutal execution method, where prisoners were made to line up and take turns killing the person in front of them with a hammer, the last in the line being killed by the soldiers holding them at gunpoint. Amin himself would often also engage in the torture, keeping photographs of victims for his own pleasure. As well as the secret killings in the prisons, many executions by firing squad were televised as to show the population the consequences of disobedience. There are also some stories that Amin would sometimes drink human blood and consume human flesh. Following a series of mutinies and a waning support for Amin, Ugandan exiles under Oboti joined with the Tanzanian armed forces and invaded Uganda in January of 1979. Even with the support of Libya, the Ugandan army crumbled. Years of purges and bloody massacres had demoralized the country, resulting in the army steadily retreating. In many instances, Ugandans joined with the Tanzanian forces to expel Amin from the country. By April of 1979, the capital had been captured, with Amin having to flee to Libya. As Amin loyalists fled Makindi prison, hand grenades were thrown into the cells, resulting in only 13 prisoners being liberated by the Tanzanian army. Idi Amin would eventually make his way to Saudi Arabia, where he was given amnesty. He would live out the rest of his life peacefully, dying in August of 2003. He never expressed any remorse for the thousands murdered under his rule. Estimates range from 300,000 to as many as half a million people, often tortured and mutilated or dumped into the river. The rule of Idi Amin is a tale of paranoia and unpredictability. I would strongly advise you to take the time to read further into what the people of Uganda endured under Amin's rule.